Exclusive live interviews. People, I think, have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Shot score! Jordan Everly set up by Taylor Hall. Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Edmonton's number one real estate resource. Now... From the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers Radio. 630 Shed. This one started bad and never really got any better. The Columbus Blue Jackets scored twice in the first three minutes of the game, and they go on to beat the Edmonton Oilers 6-3. Here's an oddity for you. Every time the Oilers scored tonight, the Blue Jackets scored within a minute. 10 seconds, 43 seconds, and 35 seconds after Edmonton's goals. Columbus replied tonight. So just when the Oilers thought they might have a little bit of life, thought they might be trying to mount a comeback, it was quickly snuffed out. 6-3, your final. Thanks for listening tonight. It's 8.05. Terry Peranich, Real Estate Team, Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630, and you can tweet me, at Reed Wilkins. Rob, how would you like it if I started with a tweet tonight? All right, let's do it. That'll set up our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Al says, Laurent Francois sucks. Should have pulled him after the first two goals. We need a peewee goalie. I don't think a peewee goalie would have been much better. A lot of them are smaller. They give up a lot of net. Some of them might get hurt, and then there's lawsuits. Uh, it's funny. The last two times Brassois played, they talked about afterwards how great he is. We got to get him here right away. Uh, Brassois is a good goaltender. Uh, he his body of work has not been gr- big at the National Hockey League level, and that's why they're trying to get him work now. He's been very good in the American Hockey League. Uh, he's the goalie of the future, and I would expect he'll be the backup next year. Uh, I mean, the first two goals, I mean, they're not on him. I mean, there was some absolutely sloppy defensive play tonight by the Edmonton Oilers. Now, did he have a good game? No. Could he have made one or two more saves? Yes. But this this loss is not on Laurent Brossois. This loss is on the Oilers' uh, mental fatigue, if you might have it, tonight, as they made a lot of mental errors that cost a lot of turn turnovers that created scoring chances that Columbus took advantage of. It was, it was Brossois' third career start. He had a 9.64 save percentage coming into this one, so you, you knew it was going uh, to even out. Obviously, the adjustment of the game is the decision not to go with Talbot back-to-back, and look, the Oilers are not in a playoff race. Uh, it, the three-game winning streak was great. Uh, I, I hope for the fans' sakes there's, there's more wins than losses the rest of the way. But you and I said when it was uh, there were 18 games left in the season when he was called up, and we said probably four, five starts, maybe six. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in my mind, why not give him one tonight? Well, it, it makes sense. Back-to-back games. Uh, Talbot's carried the load for a long time right now. And not only is he carrying the load, he's seriously, he's carrying it. If there is some games where he, you know, it, it was all on him, he needed a rest. And you've got the opportunity now to, to get your young kid in the lineup to, to play at this level to see what he can do. And you've got to make decisions. This is still an evaluation for this GM, for this coaching staff, to find out what you have going forward to next year, what you need in the offseason. And that's what they're doing tonight by having Brassois play. Can this guy be the backup next year? Tonight was not a good night for him. He's going to get probably four or five more opportunities to prove that this will be his job next year. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Columbus over Edmonton 6-3 tonight. We'll go to Robin on the line. Robin, thanks a lot for calling. 
You're welcome. How are you guys? Good. Good. I, I, uh, Rob basically answered what I was going to ask about Profois. I think uh, I was going to. I was just going to say, do you do you play the guys so we can see what we have, or do we? Who, like I don't even know who we have in the minor team now to bring up in in place of him. I mean, no one's coming up in place of him. It, this is These are the two goaltenders you're going to have the remainder of the season. They brought a kid up from the East Coast League, Rimmer, to play as a, as one of the goaltenders in the American Hockey League. They got a goaltender, I can't even remember his name, from St. Louis. Was it St. Louis in the trade? Where did yeah, they... oh, uh, Nicholas Lundstrom. And he's, I believe, in the East Coast. No, they called him up to the AHL, and they sent Rimmer back down to the EC. Okay, so there you go. I mean, the goalies they have in the minors right now are not even close to being NHL-ready goaltenders. This is your goaltending tandem. And it's when when he makes 49 saves or whatever he does in his first start of the year, you don't get too too excited say, all right, look at this, he's going to do it every night. And when he lets in six in a game in Columbus, you don't get too down on it. This is, this is a kid that's just starting his journey. So this is one night. Part of it was on the team. Part of it was on him. Let's see what his body of work is over the remainder of the season. And I still believe that he'll be the backup goalie here next year. Thanks, yeah, Robin. Think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, you got to give the now is the time to give the guy ten games or something, so we can see what he is like, right? Well, well, you're right. I mean, right now the Oilers are going nowhere this season. Uh, put in the guy, see what he can do. That's what they're doing with Clendenning. That's what they did with Cracknell. Uh, more or less, what they've done bringing in Cassian. They're giving guys auditions. They want to see what players they can carry forward, what they're going to have to do in the summer. Peter Shirelli knows there's going to be some big changes come summertime, but he wants to see what he has here and how far out into the other team's uh, depth charts he's going to have to go to grab some players. So it, it is an exactly. audition. Exactly, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Use these last 16 games as an extended preseason for next year. Thanks, Robin. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Columbus over Edmonton. 6-3 tonight. The Oilers' goals scored by Dreisaitl, his 17th, Hall, his 22nd, and McDavid, his 13th. McDavid had a goal and an assist. Two assists tonight for Sekera, two assists tonight for Patrick Maroon. The three stars, obviously, after a game like this, none of them Oilers. Savard, who scored twice, Hartnell and Jenner. Rob and I are going to give out the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Try the auction advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com. A couple players had good games up front. Uh, Connor McDavid, obviously, with a goal and assist. But I really like the game of Leon Dreisaitl tonight. He had a goal and easily could have had five assists tonight. He set Eberle up three times himself alone. Uh, I thought he had a strong performance tonight. And uh, to me, he's the four-star for the Edmonton Oilers. All right. We'll go back to the phone lines here. We have Scott standing by. Scott, thank you for calling, man. Hey, thanks. Um, I was just wondering, um, of all the Oilers that have been on waivers or picked up off of waivers this year, uh, you know, between Glendening, Nikitin, Bain, um, the other, the other two. <laughs> um, you see any of those guys coming back with the Oilers next year? Um, and also, what's the chance the Oilers can uh, can resign Griba? Well, I think uh, I think there's a pretty good chance Fain will be back because he's still under contract. Uh, Nikitin won't be back. I think Lander's a big question mark. He might not be back. Uh, Clendenning will not be back. I think one of, well, Griba and Party haven't been on waivers, but they're both UFA defensemen who play similar roles. I would I, I would think Shirelli would prefer Griba to Party because he's a little yeah. bit younger, he shoots right, and he went out and got him last summer. That, that would be my projection for that. 
Okay, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it just seems like, yeah, we're trying to take off these kind of bottom-of-the-barrel guys and, and nobody's really working out. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know what? Some guys... Um, you know, I, I know Shirelli still gets criticized. Some people say, oh, well, Korpakoski's no good. Letestu's no good. I mean, it, it, the thing is, the Oilers were a really bad team last year. And, and and I know in standings-wise, they're still a bad team. But Korpakoski replaced a guy like Klinkhammer. You know, Letestu, they thought he was better than Boyd Gordon. And I think he actually is a better overall player than Boyd Gordon. Um, you know, Griba pushed Nikitin into the minors. Uh, you know, is Griba a great player? No, but he was trying to upgrade at the depth positions and see how much that helped. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I definitely think, you know, I think Griba has a place in the team. And I think he just kind of has to clear out um, some of McTavish's bad contracts. Uh, I don't I don't think Bain's that great. I think getting rid of, uh, you know, Nikitin, Bain, and Ferentz, you know, <laughs> is going to be uh, one of his jobs in the offseason, which, again, is just cleaning up McTavish's mess. Yeah, well, Ferentz will probably retire too. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when Peter Shirelli comes in, there this was a team that needed a lot of help, and you can't fix it all in one in one summer. It just you, the, the players a have to be available. You have to have cap space. You have to have roster space. You can do the best of what's out there and what's available. There are improvements on the team, but obviously it's not near as good as the team needs to be. And Peter Shirelli, he knows that. He's not dumb. He's been around hockey long enough to know that some things at times they work out, sometimes they don't. Some of the moves didn't cost them a whole lot. Uh, I mean, a perfect example is the Cassian trade. Cassian was almost untouchable from any team in the league just from uh, the way his season has gone, both on and off the ice. But he figured, you know, Scrivens, get rid of some caps, gets get rid of some money. He's not in our future. We'll give Cassian a look-see and see what happens. And with that, I mean, he's he's worked out not bad to the point where they may re-sign him. So uh, he's he's trying anything. And when you're at the bottom of the barrel, as the Oilers have been the last number of years, you, you, you try to go on flyers and hope that something works out for you. 6-3 Columbus wins. Three Oilers goals means a 150 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They donate 50 bucks for every Oilers goal. All season long, you can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. It is up to $7,950. All right, we have our Finish the Play contestant coming up after the break. More of your calls and texts. The Oilers have their three-game winning streak, uh, streak come to a halt. This is Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Centre, presented by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For the Jackets, we'll pick it up outside the trapezoid. Up the left-hand boards, Clarkson, lead pass, Campbell. And it's a breakaway for Brandon Saad. Reshot and a save made by Laurent Brassois. And that's the stop you needed if you're Brassois and the Oilers. Saad trying to go five-hole. Brassois squeezes it shut. And Columbus's lead remains just 3-1. Well, it would not remain that. They win 6-3, but that was Brassois' best stop of the evening. It's your save of the game for Armour Insurance working today to protect your tomorrow. As often happens when a team falls behind, the Oilers outshoot Columbus 36-27, but they have their three-game winning streak come to an end. I'm going to go back to the phone lines in a second here. Uh, Mark says, any ideas why Nikitin was in the lineup tonight? Why mess with a winning lineup? Uh, I just think that Clendenning has been struggling. I, I know that the team was winning, but Clendenning, uh, he looked like he was a little lost. 
Uh, he looked like the game was going a little too quick for him. And sometimes, as we've seen with Todd McCullen earlier in the season, he'll sit a guy in the stand just so he can get readjust, he can watch, he can see where he could do things differently, and I think that's what, what, what Todd was doing. Uh, you've got an extra defenseman up here, may as well let him play one and allow a younger player to sit back and take note of uh, what's going wrong and how he can correct it. Our Finish the Play contestant always gets 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express and has a chance to qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Centre. Love your ride with Integra Tire in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Abby's going to be our contestant tonight. Abby, but first give us your thought on the game, buddy. Hey guys, yeah, um, I was watching the game. I had two thoughts watching it. I'm I tuned in a little late. I'm sure people have asked them. Um, did they give? Did Todd McClellan say anything about why they didn't pull Brassois after he gave up a, like three goals on about 10, 11 shots? We haven't had his post game yet, so no, he. Uh, we have not heard from him yet. What did you guys think? Like, did you guys find it a little odd that he was still in there after goal three, four, five? Because uh, it kind of killed the momentum, right? They scored a goal and they came back and. But I mean, I mean, Rassau wasn't great, but the the plays that happened were were dumb plays by the Oilers. I mean, the the first, I mean, there's a goal. Connor McDavid does have doesn't have his guy back to a wide open net. Uh, another one, two on one. Another one, uh, another two on one. Breakdowns in the neutral zone. So as much as Rassau, maybe there was one or two that he might have had. I mean, it wasn't on him. So you're giving Talbot a rest for a reason. You want them ready for the next game. This game was getting away from the Oilers. So to me, it was they weren't going to pull Brassaw unless he was injured and, and just letting the kid go. And it's it's also a learning experience for, for LB. I mean, he's, okay. he's he's had success in the minors. How does he react when he has a bad game? How does he react when uh, he, he allows this many goals in? Because if you're going to play at the National Hockey League level as a goaltender, you need to have a short memory. And this is just a learning experience for him. Yeah, and also one other thought I had was um, with Darnell Nurse, he looks like he has lost a lot of confidence. Like, you guys think he might, like Jordan Osterley played pretty good for his couple games up here. Wouldn't he be better off playing big minutes down in the minors and maybe having a little more success? Well, yeah, and I think in a, a perfect world, the Oilers would have had him, Darnell, down there longer. But with Clefbaum being out and being out for as long as he had, they had to bring someone up to play. Uh, I know that, or I believe that Darnell's going to go down to the minors at the end of the season and play in a playoff run. I, I believe that's what's going to happen, which he'll gain confidence that way. But injuries have forced the, the Oilers' hand on a couple players, and one of them is Darnell Nurse, who came up in his play. And you're right, he, he, he does look uh, like confidence is waning a little bit, and, and it's tough. This It's a tough league to play in. It's even tougher as a young defenseman. All right, Abby, let's finish the play. Kellen, what do you have? McDavid walks it back in onside. Shot Maroon deflected. Rebound! Okay, goal or no goal? Um, Let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. Yeah, fire that again, Kellen. McDavid walks it back in onside. Shot Maroon deflected. Rebound! Yeah, what do you say, buddy? Goal or no goal? No goal. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you could say it over again, if you could, like, pick again, which one would you pick? I'd pick no goal. No, no, if no, let, all right. McDavid walks it back in onside. Shot Maroon deflected. Rebound, score! Connor McDavid and Edmonton's still alive. 5-3 Columbus still. All right, it was a goal, Abby. Maybe we'll get you on again before the end of the year. Finish the play. 
6-3 Columbus over the Oilers. No Japanese Village goal light. The Oilers did get to five the last time they played Columbus. Whenever they do, you can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, print up a free appetizer coupon to Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side and north side. 780-496-0063. We have Darcy on the line. Good evening, Darcy. Hello. I was just wondering how Columbus's um, prospects are looking in the in the minors. Do they have a fairly well-stocked um, team down there? The Blue Jackets? Yeah. You know what? I know next. I'm not going to lie to you, Darcy. I know next to nothing about who's on the Columbus farm team. And I, lo- I know even less. So I don't even oh. know nothing. Well, well, the Oilers draft high, right? And then their first overall comes to play with the big league. So I'm thinking uh, the Oilers farm team is a little thin. So I'm just wondering if uh, Columbus, having drafted a little uh, worse than Edmonton, if they got like some guys who have been down there for three or four years and been kind of stewing and brewing. I'd, I'd have to check, Darcy. I, I mean, I, I could tell you more about the Oilers' prospects, and you're, and you're right. I don't think there are a lot of guys on the verge of being significant contributors. contributors. Uh, I mean, they have Oliver uh, Bjorkstrand down there. He's a 20-year-old uh, winger. I know he was pretty highly thought of. Who else? Uh, Kirby Reichel's down there. He's 21. Just going by names that... Uh, Oscar Dansk, the goalie they have down there, he's 22. I know he was pretty highly thought of at one point. So, I, I mean, they they have guys. Honestly, without without doing some research now, I, I I couldn't tell you who's on the verge of helping them out. Sorry, Darcy. Uh, no worries. I was just wondering because uh, yesterday's game, that defenseman, the ghost, he just seemed to have popped up from nowhere. Well, he was just in the NCAA. If... He was out of the NCAA. So he's a oh. little older rookie, and he didn't even start the season in the NHL. They called him up from Lehigh Valley, their AHL team. So I know a little bit about him because he's been playing in the NHL. And he's... He's good. He's, he's good. very he's, good. He's good. And, you know, the people around the Flyers will tell you, oh, yeah, we knew he was going to be good. But I, I don't think, you know, other teams and markets would have known as much about him for sure. Okay, because everyone saw him coming, hey? Because, uh, like... Um... Davidson, the Oilers didn't really tout him coming up, and uh, I'm just wondering if everyone has a, a little uh, diamond in the rough in the minors. Well, you hope so, and, and Davidson's turned out great. He's clearly exceeded expectations. How much did he play tonight, Rob? You got it, uh, Davidson. 24 minutes, again, almost 25 minutes. Again, over tw- over 20 minutes. I mean, he was minus two tonight, but pretty much not on him. Oilers no. had a few minuses yeah. this evening. Yeah. Thanks for calling, Darcy. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. All right, we've got more time for your phone calls. We'll have post-game reaction from Columbus, and uh, you can keep texting 630-630. we got to quickly bring you the news and the weather. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranish Team Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers lose 6-3 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Other NHL action tonight. The Rangers edge the Capitals 3-2. Early in the third, the Stars lead the Devils 3-1. Over at Rexall Place, the Medicine Hat Tigers are up 3-2 on the Oil Kings. Late in the second period, a little Canada West hockey action as well. Rob Brown just checking his phone. We got a final in Saskatoon? We do, unfortunately, have a final in Saskatoon. And the University of Saskatchewan have started the... 
Series off with a one or with a four nothing victory over the U of A Golden Bears. So game two tomorrow, Bears will be trying to force game three on Sunday. Both teams are going to nationals, but they're playing for the league championship and for a higher seed in the tournament. Uh, Laurent Brassois, after two stellar starts to begin his NHL career, not as strong tonight. Let's go back to Columbus and hear from him. Uh, Laurent, um, that one compared to your first two starts, uh, just sum that one up tonight. Um, you know, I, I try not to compare my games. Uh, every game's different, um, but obviously, uh, I would have liked to been uh, sharper earlier. Um, I think that uh, that second goal I'd like back, um, and that would have killed momentum. It's like one of those ones too, where they scored. You scored a goal, and they came right back and scored another one. That's you know, the response was good enough. You're a goaltender, I guess. You're saying I got to stop that one. We just scored. You know, yeah. whether there were good goals or bad goals. That's of course. Yeah, just to stop some momentum, yeah. Um, you'd been playing so well. Was it one of those ones where the goals start going and you start doubting yourself? Or are you saying to yourself, oh, man, there's tips, there's you know shots that should stop? I mean, how, what's going through your head? Um, tonight I would have liked to make some, some big saves. Um, just to, like I said, kill momentum. Um, and, and I didn't do that, but uh, I'm just going to... You know, learn from the learn from my mistakes and uh, take the take the positives. All right, Laurent Brossois. I'm sure he will learn. Still very early in his career. Columbus beating he and the Oilers six three tonight. Yeah, those quick goals. The Blue Jackets scored ten seconds after the Drysital goal, forty three seconds after the Hall goal, thirty five seconds after the McDavid goal. They also scored fifty seconds after one of their own goals in the first period. So four times tonight there were two goals in less than a minute. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. Thanks for tuning in. It is eight thirty five. Two goals tonight, Rob, were subject to video review. Both of them stood. The Oilers challenged for offside. It was ruled not offside. The Blue Jackets challenged for Hall interfering with Corpusallo on McDavid's goal. It was ruled not to be goaltender interference. Uh, you're grinning already before I even ask the question. <laughs> well, I, 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 first of all, I thought the Hall, when I thought it was interference, he, he knocked the glove. They said it was outside the blue paint. I thought it was in, but it doesn't really matter. What I don't like about it, and, and this is echoing what Taylor Hall said a few weeks ago, Right now in Toronto, they have, it's called the War Room, and they probably have 20, 60, or 80-inch screen <laughs> TVs with 10 to 15 guys sitting there watching everything. So they can sit there, rewind, fast-forward, rewind, fast-forward, watch it on a big screen and decide right away, and should be right away, what, if, whether goal or no goal, just based on whatever the rule is that they're arguing. Instead, they got a referee standing with a little teeny mini iPad on the ice trying to see, like, I mean... I'm, I, I'm looking at a mini iPad, and it's hard enough to see characters in a movie on it, let alone a little puck, or let alone the crease, or a stick, or a skate. And, and that's what they're having decide this. And as Taylor Hall said in his, when he talked after the game once, now you're asking a referee to decide whether he was right or he was wrong. And if it's that close, well, obviously he's going to side with, the, with himself, because it's human nature says he would. So to me, why don't you just... The referee says, okay, they're gonna, they want to know, uh, they're challenging. The coach is challenging. Let's go to Toronto. All right, the phone rings. Toronto says this and be done with it. I think it takes too much momentum away from either side of the game. Coaches are now doing it simply, as, as they said, that Peter DeBoers in San Jose has done it 14 times this year. He's been successful twice. He's just doing it to give his players a rest. 
And, and the referee with a little mini iPad sitting on the side of the boards when you've got a guy in Toronto that could be watching on a big screen makes no sense at all. I think that's one of the things they have to change going into next year. You know, it's it's funny. This came up on Inside Sports about a week and a half ago. I, I think it might have been because Hall made those yep. comments and I played those again on the next show after the Colorado game. And uh, a caller called in and and he said, you know what, I'm at the point where I'm just fine accepting human error. Yeah. And and he and he said and he made the point that a lot of us have made with hockey that it's a low scoring era and we want more goals and sometimes goals are getting overturned on a guy's pant leg brushing a goalie's pad but you know like the Latestu overturn early in the season against Calgary that shouldn't have been overturned and he and the caller also made the point when it comes to both pro football leagues video review is making long games even longer mm-hmm. now hockey doesn't have quite that problem but. I thought that was an interesting perspective. He, like the guy, was a huge sports fan. He watched a lot of hockey and football, and he said, "I'm just at the point where I will accept human error and and, and don't want replay." I, I agree. I totally agree. That's part of it. Human error is part of it. I mean, the players make errors, the coaches make errors. So why can't a ref make an error? And then silliness comes into play, and we saw that what last week or two weeks ago on the homestand, where they went to a video replay to see if it was a goal. Oh, and that, yeah. and then they they said it was a goal because it was it for high. This is the Colorado one. Yeah. For uh, no, sorry. It was where they said that they want to know for if it, kicked in. Oh, the Perron one. They went for kicked in, and then they went for goalie interference. And it took it took like twenty five minutes. And, and it, the Hall one against Colorado, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because Hall was given a penalty. So as soon as Purcell touched the puck, it was a dead play. So even if the refs had come back and said, "Oh, it's not goalie interference." They would have said, "Well, we can't allow the goal because we blew it dead as soon as he like." Yeah, yeah. It just—it's it, silly, and it just—it it just takes the, the the wind out of the sails. And the players have talked about it. it. Said when they have to sit on the bench for another fifteen minutes, well, this they decide one way or the other. It just takes momentum away from from the game, and, and the fans get bored. To me, if there's human error, there's human error, and and, it, and it's happened forever. So let's be accepted. I mean, if someone misses an offside by half an inch, well, you know what? That's just bad luck on your part. And teams, have, I mean, Stanley Cups have probably won and lost on mistakes. There's was it Bobby Nystrom? They they swore it was offside his goal. Yeah. Uh, where the Islanders won a Stanley Cup. That's just the way it is. I mean, human error is always going to happen, whether it be a ref, a player, a coach. Let's let it be. Yeah, it's an interesting debate with replay because as soon as you start doing it, then you can say, well, why don't we add this to it? Why don't we that? And that's what the and that's what the NHL did this year. I mean, originally it was okay. Let's just use it to see whether or not the puck went in. But then you'll still have occasions like McDavid and Quick earlier this season where you're pretty sure it's in, but because they don't see it, they they can't call it. And that and that's dumb too. Common sense should come into play. If his whole glove's in the net and the puck is under the glove, well, right. you know what? Probably, well, we can't see it. We're not going to allow the goal. So that's just another silly thing that comes when you do the video. Yeah, and the point I made when when the guy called in Inside Sports as well was two years ago you could not review pass interference in the CFL. Well, now you can. How did the Eskimos get down the field to win the Grey Cup near the end? They challenged for pass interference, and, and they got, like, it, well, the guy, it was pass interference. Mm-hmm. The guy wrapped up Stafford's arms before he had a chance to catch the ball. But two years ago, who knows, maybe Ottawa wins that game. I, I mean, it's it's an interesting debate. I don't. I, we could probably talk to 20 people who would have 20 different opinions on how it, how and what it should be used for. And if it to me, though, if you're going to use it, there's got to be a time limit. And we watch it. I mean, if you're watching a video, you can see... 
in 30 seconds, whether it was right or wrong, whether it was in or out, whether it was a, the foot was there or not. I mean, y- you can see it. So let's make the decision, be done with it. Let's not have, let's not prolong it any longer than you already have to. Oilers lose 6-3 to the Blue Jackets. Trent from up north says uh, Maroon, Gordie Howe hat trick over the last two games. Party has two points in his last two games. Tough game tonight, no puck luck. Three games and four nights. Oilers look tired, but that's no excuse. That is from Trent from up north. And Daryl says, I don't know what game you guys were watching, but Brassois was on his knees all game, and he wasn't following the puck. He should have been pulled after the second goal. I wasn't impressed with him or the coaching decision to keep him in the net. That is from Daryl. Yeah, but we just explained what they're not. This is not about making the playoffs right now. The reason that they're playing LB is to see what they have in LB, to seeing how he responds from goals against, how he responds uh, when he lets a bad one in. Uh, the, the the Oilers are not making the playoffs. It's an evaluation period, and it's unfortunate that. But the Oilers have put themselves in this position where the playoffs are, are, are long ago thought of. They don't have to worry <laughs> about it now. They can try and figure out how they can make this team better. So LB was going to stay in this game. It, it could have been ten to. He still might have been in the game. They're trying to evaluate him and his play. So uh, that is why Todd McCollum did it, and I under completely understand it. 8.42, Leon Dreisaitl had a goal tonight and some creative setups as well. He also uh, had a good night in the face-off circle at 67%. Let's go back to Columbus and hear from Leon. Could you put your finger on maybe why such a slow start, two goals on the first two shots of the game? Um, I think we, we obviously weren't ready right off the start. and um, you know It doesn't matter what team you face, you know, Teams are too good in this league. They, they capitalize on, on stuff like that. So um, I, I think we had some good stuff in our game today too. Um, but again, um, you know, goals, the goals against were, were all at a, at a really, really bad time. And, um, you know, that, that, that's unacceptable. When you get a goal with a minute left in a period and the team's riding high and then it comes back the other way, is, is that kind of response, that's just a momentum killer for you? Yeah, for sure it's a momentum killer. Um, you know, and, and that was not the only time. You know, um, I think uh, three goals we scored, I think three times they, they answered right back. So, um, you know, we, we definitely have to work on that. You know, the, the, the next shift after goal is huge. So um, that's something we have to do better. Well, and that was a big key to the game tonight. As we mentioned, Columbus scoring within a minute of all three Oilers' goals. Tonight, the Oilers never led. They fall behind 2-0 early. They trailed 5-2 after two. They lose 6-3. A text to 6-30, says it wasn't all Brassois. This is on the Oilers taking another team lightly. The lack of defense and back check was insane. Play that team again and play some proper defense. The outcome is way different. I'm not saying Brassois was perfect, but the lack of effort on the goals against was something to forget besides... Some of the play of the Oilers, it was just a night to put behind us and focus on the future. Leon was good tonight. That's a text to 630-630. Yeah, I think Leon was very good tonight. I, I don't know if it was as much a lack of effort as a, uh, just a lot of mental mistakes. I mean, some of the mistakes that the Oilers made tonight, it wasn't they weren't trying. It just they, they weren't thinking. I think that's more of it. I mean, Connor McDavid on the one goal, not looking for the man behind him. Um, I mean, there was one they didn't score, but Nikitin passing it right to the other team, right by his own net. Bad pinches, bad reads offensively, bad reads defensively. Five guys looking at the guy with the puck in the defensive zone, and all of a sudden the guy on the opposite side, a Columbus player, wide open. Those aren't lack of effort. That's just uh, mental mistakes. And the Oilers made a ton of mental mistakes tonight, something that they haven't been doing as of late. 
Jackie says Cracknell and Gazdick should have played. Bull and Prout were running around a little too much for my liking. Uh, I, I disagree on that one. I, I think Cracknell will be in the lineup. Um, we had Gazdick. No, they're not going to fight Gazdick, and Gazdick's not going to intimidate them. Um, Gazdick plays six minutes a night, and Bowl is a tough hockey player, and I don't think he really cares who is on the other team's bench. He's going to play the exact same way. And those two guys running around, the most of it was at the end of the game. It didn't really alter the outcome of the hockey game. Dirty hit by Prout on, Absolutely. on Factor in. I mean, it wasn't as wasn't hard, vicious. but I mean, he was behind him for mm-hmm. 40 feet and, and then finished him from behind. Yep. Uh, I didn't think that was a smart penalty by Yakupov on Jones halfway through the second period. That was a dumb penalty and, and gave up the power play goal against. No, that, that was dumb, and you, you can't do that. And you know what? It, you don't want to have different rules for different people, but when you are trying to assert yourself as a top six player and wanting the ice time as a top six player, you cannot do stuff like that because you do not want to give the coaching staff any more ammunition in the video room to why you're not getting the ice time. What do you think of that play when Fain uh, hit Darren Gibbs with the clearing play? <laughs> I felt bad for the linesman, and, and I know that uh, Drew Ramondo was talking about it, <laughs> how the, the, the linesman... He said, there's no way I can be getting hit with a puck standing over here. As I don't understand it, but I tell you, as soon as it hit him, I said to you, I said, that hurts because it looked like, to me, it hit him on the outside of the knee where there's no padding, and that was a bullet by Mark Fain. He got all of it, and uh, hopefully uh, the linesman is all right and no worse for wear because it, it's a tough it's tough being a referee in the National Hockey League. You don't have the equipment that a hockey player has, and that was a puck coming at full force. We're going to hear from head coach Todd McClellan in a bit. want to remind you that 630 Chet giving you a big opportunity here to go see Guns N' Roses. Come on, seriously? In Las Vegas. I'm in. You can visit 630Chet.com now to register, and then you can listen daily at 7.20 in the morning, 10.20 in the morning, and 4.20 in the afternoon. If you hear your name, call back within 6 minutes and 30 seconds, and you will be qualified for the draw to see the reunion concert of a lifetime. you got the airfare, the accommodation, the tickets to Guns N' Roses in Las Vegas on April 8th. So you can go to oh. 630Ched.com right now and, uh, and enter. You know what they've got to do. listen for your name. You know what they got to do to spice it up a little bit? Throw in Rob Brown and Reed Wilkins for the weekend in Las Vegas with you. I mean, that's my birthday weekend. Seriously, oh. how, how much fun would that be? Little GNR. You and I get the old jean jackets yeah, out. I'm not sure if people want to hang out with me that bad, Rob. Oh, they, they do. They do. <laughs> when they get to know you, I tell you, you'll be on the tables dancing, screaming at the top of your lungs. All right, the Oilers lose 6-3 to Columbus. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, well, that one got away from the Oilers early. Whenever they tried to claw back, it never lasted because Columbus scored right away after all the Oilers' goals three times within a minute. 6-3 Columbus, your final tonight. The head coach of the Edmonton Oilers is Todd McClellan. Straining game, what area or areas maybe frustrated you the most about the club? Well, I was concerned going in that our... our uh gas tanks would be a little bit empty and the energy level would be low and and I think that proved to be the case but when that happens uh, for us to uh, to have success in these situations you've got to be sharp mentally and I don't think we were so it's a lesson learned um, you know the the body wanted to go the, the mind wasn't putting it in situations where uh, we even had a chance at success and it happened right off the bat the first two goals 
Um, so uh, we didn't give ourselves much of an opportunity to win as a, as a tired team. And tired teams can still win in this league if they play smart, and we didn't. Have you ever been a part of three goals like that so quickly scored against you after you scored to get yourself some momentum? I don't know. I'd have to reflect back. But, um, you know, just referring to tonight's game, that's, uh, you know, that's a sign of not mentally being there. Um, you just gain a little bit of momentum and traction in the game. And you give it right back to him. Then you work hard and you get it back and you, you return the favor. So um, mental mistakes, in my opinion, um, maybe more so than physical. Uh, LB in goal, he struggled. Well, when you look at the, at the number of goals on the number of shots, you know, you could look up there and see six on 21. And, and um, you know, you immediately start with the goaltending. But we have to look at the quality of opportunity that we gave up. Um, both of our goals, he was walking down the... You know, walking down Main Street and having all data to pick us whole. So, um, you know, we're we're disappointed we couldn't help him a little bit more, and he's probably disappointed he couldn't help us a little bit more. When you look at the mixing of the lines, did you feel good about it? That leading to some offensive success and seeing different guys in different <coughs> situations. Well, it was an opportunity for us to to move some people around. Um, didn't want to get to that situation. Obviously, for playing well, we don't have to do that. Um, I thought we had. Um, a little jump and a little buzz going uh, to start the third, and then we give it right back to him. And after that, it uh, you know the tanks were just empty and and mentally not there. So um, tomorrow's a big day for us to get some rest and uh, recharge the batteries, clear out the minds a little bit, and get back to uh, to playing the way we have been over the last five or six games. So um, and we're going to play against the big strong team again. So important we use that day properly. Didn't play a lot of the first period. Was it equipment? Did he get hurt? No, he took a stick to the eye. He needed stitches, so he was uh, he was gone for that reason. Thanks, Todd. There is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Their three-game losing streak, winning streak, pardon me, ends tonight as they are beaten 6-3 by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here is what's going on. Our next Oilers broadcast will be on Sunday. 3.30 for the face-off show. The game starts at 5 as the Oilers close out their four-game road trip against the Winnipeg Jets. They also play the Jets for the final time this season. You can get more on tonight's game and on the team on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, the incomparably talented Kellen Kennedy. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 630Ched is Sid Smith. Terry Peranich Overtime Open Line comes to you from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.